Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Streaming, a decoding TV podcast where we talk about stuff that's new in the world of streaming, and if it's good, uh, we analyze it and then recap and spoil everything that's going on. Today, we're going to be discussing The Crown Season 6, Part 1, Episodes 1 through 4. Joining me for this conversation, she is my partner in life as well as my frequent podcast partner. She's known as Joy O'Napping Online. Joy, thanks for chatting with me today. I am so glad to be back here. The crown is back. Or should I say, la crown est retournée. Yes, nicely done. Uh, so you can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find us across all platforms at decodingtv. And we covered the crown season five last year. It feels like a long time ago. It sure does. There was a whole writer and actor simultaneous strike that happened between now and the last time and uh a lot of other world events have unfolded in the time since then it just feels like uh, and it really feels like this I, I feel like the really relevant one is that charles became king yeah <laughs> that is relevant and that is parker bowles is now the queen yeah yes indeed uh so yeah lots lots happened Lots happened. Um, so yeah, season uh, f- six is the one that is currently on Netflix right now. Part one is on Netflix right now, uh, which yeah. is the first four episodes. So they're experimenting with that kind of like it's a binge release, but not kind of I, model. I guess my sense, is, like if I had to just wildly get, eh, you know, that, that, that might be it. You know, the first thing I thought of is just that the episodes aren't all finished. Oh, um, interesting. I have a much more cynical take. It's, um, you know, right before th- American Thanksgiving right now, and the next batch will drop right before Christmas. Mm. And the British in particular have quite a history of holiday, like, event viewing. Mm, mm-hmm. So it feels like it's, you know, the time to get together and watch some of the saddest episodes of The Crown ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, in any case, uh, we are going to... Uh, this is going to be a pretty loose episode. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like we generally have like a really detailed recap of everything that happened in the episodes and so on. Um, but uh, this one is going to be a little looser. It's just me and Joy uh, talking about these first four episodes, and I, then I, I think it's looser for good reason, which is that these are the first three in particular very intertwined as yeah, stories. So yeah. it doesn't really quite make sense to recap it episodically. In yeah. Way. And then the final uh, six episodes will air in December. And our current plan is to cover those episodes as well here on This Week in Streaming and Decoding TV. So, uh, so anyway, you can look forward to that. But uh, in the meantime, I guess we should start by sharing some overall thoughts on season six, episodes one through four, which episodes are entitled Persona Non Grata, Two Photographs, Dimois We and Aftermath. Um, and I guess I also want to say, even before we share our overall thoughts on season six, I was really not excited about season six because I have to say, season five I found pretty disappointing. 
um, as a season. And you can. It was listen- as sad as a not quite refurbished ship. <laughs> You can, oh my gosh, I can't believe that was a whole plot line. Um, you can find our conversation about season five on the Decoding TV podcast feed. And uh, I think you can hear that we weren't like super thrilled with it. Uh, there were some, there's a couple, a, a, a handful of bangers in there that were really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it was a pretty disappointing season. So I was kind of dreading this season. I didn't think like they did a good job of building up this version of Princess Diana that we saw in season five. I was kind of dreading this season. I was like, is, are they going to botch this extremely important sequence of events? Um, so, Joy, why don't you talk us through your initial reactions? Wait, Did so you- are you saying after having dreaded it, you, you feel better? Well, I have to say that I really liked this first four batch of episodes. I Me thought too. it was very, very strong. Me too. Uh, it's some of the best work that the show's done, actually. You know, I think this question has been looming over the show from its inception, which is how are they going to handle this particular set of events that are covered in the first four episodes? And season five felt like a lot of throat clearing. Like, I thought we would get there by the end of season yeah. five, and it felt kind of awkward and strange and strained, um, partly because... You could feel the show wrestling in real time with the ascension of Charles, Camilla, the death of Philip. You know, like these real characters, quote, these characters in the show are real people who are passing on or very infirm. And you could feel that they were starting to lose some of their willingness to take a clear point of view about historical events well, and real people. The show has famously made shit up and uh, uh in order to like make people like in order it, to it, tell a story tell yeah in order purpose. to tell like a, a dramatic story but it often will make people look bad even worse than they actually were um and so in season five i think that as you were saying as you're indicating it kind of lost that bite a little bit it also just felt like it lost confidence in even what it was trying and it didn't take much of a, a stand at all and so except in my view, to become more of a Camilla and Charles apology tour vibe. I mean, it makes Charles look so good in season five. Also, like, literally, because, you know, Dominic, yeah, West, Dominic West very handsome man. But yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, um, Prince Charles is actually like super cool dude. Did you know? He hangs out with breakdancers and such. He's pretty buff and he looks good in his Yeah, it, it's like, it was like, okay, all right. Uh, it, was, it was, whereas like, I was like, it, it, it was unrecognizable from the show that we had watched in previous seasons for, you know, plus... Plus the cast is different. And, but you and there I mean. were times yeah. that Diana felt a bit like a kind of like a a, a clay model imitation of Diana, you know, like right. with her famous outfits and her famous tics, but not necessarily super well inhabited. Anyway, so to your point, I agreed. Also, it was hard to tell whether it was because of the writer's strike and the SAG strike, but there was just no buzz coming about the release of this. And I became concerned that's because they really, really chuffed it. Like they really, mm. like Charlie Brown totally missed the football. Uh-huh. And yeah. Netflix was just like, dump it, dump it. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> AKA treat it like how you treat most shows. I mean, I think that how Netflix would treat most shows. I think that um, in general, uh, for a streaming service promoting a show that is in season six, like they generally, uh, they don't, they don't, 
bring out the big guns when it comes to uh, promoting like a, a show that's in its like sixth season. It, but it is not in its sixth season. It is reaching its apex, the most famous set of events, yeah, the events yeah. that end up being the lens through which most of us think about all these people. Mm-hmm. It, you know, so it, it's 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 really the climax. I, I think here's my response to that is I think Netflix believes that they don't have to like do a big advertising campaign or whatever because well, yeah, you know like I, I, I hear you people are going to watch it already they know that they're going to have great retention and they know that based on the subject matter they're going to be able to get people to like but it, point so. being it became concerning to me as like more data points right. that maybe they've continued to lose their nerve and they're like you know no one needs to look behind the curtain we definitely finished the show but it's okay Just i agree keep, with you the buzz on, is, the on. buzz has felt strangely muted on this one but let me tell you go watch this <laughs> You literally don't need to have watched the rest of the show to watch these four Mm, episodes. mm, That's my take. Mm. Um, And if you think of these four episodes almost as a movie, I think it is a perfectly satisfying story that is to some extent self-contained that brings to light incredibly important and very real um, forces that shaped what it was like to be an extremely famous woman in the 90s. Yeah. And so, uh, and then, and the persecution that can come with that. Yeah. And the double edged sword of being that famous. I agree. I thought it was a really strong batch of episodes. Um, just really, really well done. Now, I want to acknowledge that I think at its worst, this show in general can be exploitative, is a piece of media that can be exploitative of the figures that it covers. Like, I think that um, it is obviously everyone's involved. The show is making money, you know, and uh, and it's often twisting facts, making up scenes in order to like, you know, uh, because it's it's using these real life, very much alive figures to tell a story to make a soap opera, make a soap opera. Right. And, And so I want to acknowledge that 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 is a thing that is actually going on. Um, and also, this is a season that takes pretty square aim at British tabloid culture uh, and very much, I think, attributes a huge amount of responsibility to British tabloid culture for Princess Diana's death. Um, Yeah, so I I And and it does it really well, in my opinion. And so I bring that up because I I think it does a good job of that. And also it is a piece of media that is... So, so, you know, I've read a lot of books, you know, and I'm, I'm like a smug book reader about this particular time period um, for Diana. I've read a lot about this. There are things that are known about what happened, and there are things that are Mm. speculation about what happened in her final summer, basically, that she was with us. And the show absolutely chooses a narrative that is some part of the speculation and also some things that are truly just inserted for narrative convenience. Mm-hmm. So it, I wondered, how would they um, navigate the thorniness and the contentiousness and the different points of view about what happened that summer? Yeah, yeah. And so, for instance, uh, you and I recently saw this incredible film called Anatomy of a Fall, yep. which I would highly recommend to anybody. And And that film is about someone who falls to their death and the many and evolving perspectives you can have on what happened that day and why that 
And it, it allows you to sit with a profound amount of ambiguity as an audience member. This version of the story, I would say, filled in the blanks 80 to 90% yeah. with a point of view. And I just want to say, I feel like <laughs> obligated to say, not everything that is shown is settled fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it m- the movements are all accurate, but like, and not even just obviously you don't, you're not in the room, you're not bugging the room, so you don't know what the dialogue was. Yeah. But like, you know, some pretty key questions, like what was the status of the relationship between right. Diana and Dodi Fayed? Um, what was the origin of the relationship between Diana and Dodi Fayed? What happened between Dodi Fayed and his fiance, Kelly, who we see at the end of season five, you know, canoodling and um, who at the start of season six she is under the impression she is going to get married to him very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, with all that in mind, even though they they chose a path, I was very moved by the path they chose because they mostly chose to protect the dignity of the two people who died. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it without ge- being so ridiculously unrecognizable that you wouldn't say that those were real people. I agree. I think. I think. Virtually every character in the story is given some kind of dignity, which I was really impressed by. But yeah, that's why I gave my whole caveat is like, yes, the, the, you know, we have, to, we have to acknowledge that there have been many complaints about the show and how it, is, how it treats the royal family and how it often depicts them in negative light or shapes uh, characters for its own purposes. And yet, um, I think they did a great job of like telling a story that makes you appreciate these people more. Perhaps think about elements of the story that you might not have thought about otherwise. Um, so I was a big fan. Yeah. Big fan of the first four episodes. And w- with some occasional huge missteps. W- that we one will, large one. One large misstep that we'll talk about. Uh, but other than that, I thought it was really, really impressive. So, yeah. so can I just say, I thought this framing device of the first three episodes is being, first you see basically the crash, so you understand we're going to... Yeah. Where we're headed, literally. And then um, we have an eight-week flashback, and this summer gets retold as a sort of distinct chapter in time. That feels very fair to me. Like, all the coverage of her life that I've read treats this summer as this kind of odd transitional feeling. Um, And then through the course of the three episodes, we see... um, a lot of her dynamic with her sons, which I feel like is put in there probably almost heightened um, because she's splitting custody now and it would be hard for the audience to say goodbye to this character without seeing how she interacts with her children. Mm -hmm. The casting, I think, for the children has been great for William and Harry. Um, Then we see her sort of... I recognized the person... The, the depiction of Diana as being closer to what I had hoped for than in season five. So in season four, she's quite sympathetic in season five. I'm like, who is this flaky person who just mopes around all day and yeah. oversized sweatshirts? She, she, she was like, uh, uh, unlikable in season five. Like she was, uh, unsympathetic and not a particularly nice person, not a particularly intelligent person in season five. And at, at the same time that they made Charles look a lot better right. than he had in season four. So it was like an odd... Yeah, I'm ta- speaking of the character, of course, not, yeah, like, yeah. not the actual Princess Diana in real life. But I'm saying like for a character that had been imbued with so much charisma and life and vitality in seasons, I want to say, four, season four, I guess it was, um, to have 
the depiction that we saw in season five was really disappointing. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, even though it's a short run of episodes, I felt like we got to see the landmine work that she did, which was genuinely dangerous and genuinely moving. And I'm so grateful that they showed it. And, you know, um, yes, she was sort of like romantically involved with this man um, who she had just met, but it felt less like a random neediness that you got from season five in her romantic relationships. And then um, you get a sense of her as a mother and you get a sense of her coming to terms with she doesn't really have a role but she is going to be relentlessly pursued by attention no matter where she goes. And the sense that that is closing in on her mm-hmm. as the summer comes to an end, I think was real. You know, it's um, it's not a device that like, oh, the press attention got more and more intense. That, right. is, that is a very real thing. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel, you know, I've, I've read different depictions and diff- or not different different biographies about like what her final days were like and this really really for me captured the feeling that she was so hunted and depressed and uh forlorn um feeling like she had left one incredibly stifling environment yeah. in the royal family to only end up in a different one with a different set of problems. And it doesn't totally let her off the hook. I mean, they do show her taking uh, the Herod's helicopter to see a psychic in Derbyshire. You know, like, it's really... Yeah. She she did do that kind of thing, you know? Um, Which is, like, highly likely to attract attention, and she knows it, basically. Is well, and it's or? also really likely to come across as pretty kooky. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, but I think also the extent to which she maybe had to play coy with the press and felt... That it, you know, it's not like she literally completely shut them out. You know, there there might have been things she could have done other than appear in swimsuits on yachts in Saint Tropez. You know, that might have been less glamorous <laughs> and therefore been less appealing as photos. Um, but she didn't do those things, and I'm not, you know, shaming her at all for that. But there is a dynamic between her and the press that's quite symbiotic yeah. that I also think they they touch on at an appropriate level, and. Um, it is obviously what happened to her is completely not proportional to whatever that symbiosis was, but at least they acknowledge it. It it all felt very fair to me thematically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those are some overall thoughts on the first four episodes uh, of the crown season six. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently. I asked mint mobile's legal team. If big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation, they said, yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We are now going to spoil everything that happens in 
the Crown Season 6, Episodes 1 through 4. Uh, we're not going to do like a detailed recap, but we will kind of talk through the general arc of what, oc- what occurs. So, again, uh, the four episodes are entitled Queen Victoria... I'm oh, sorry. Looking at... Uh, prior season. Prior season. Um, Persona non grata, two photographs, Dimoawi, and Aftermath. And it kicks off really shortly after the events of Season 5 when she was about to visit Dodi Fayed uh, on the boat. Right? Mohammed Fayed had invited her down to. Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't think she necessarily. Right. Was they, had not, they had not met yet, as far they as they had I met or, casually, yeah, at briefly. The, at the dinner, was that. Or, anyway. I think it was at a horse race. Okay. Well, maybe. anyway, but, yeah. I have all the details wrong. Uh, that's why you're here. <laughs> no, 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 I'm saying her and Dodi hadn't met yet. Is that right? Or They, they had met. Okay. Oh, right. Cause, In okay. passing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway. Uh, so it it chronicles like you know their affair that they have on this boat and how it's like heavily covered by paparazzi. Um, well, actually, so in this version of it, he doesn't really want to date her. He is basically told to date her, mm-hmm. and it is unclear whether Dodi Fayed, who in real life was quite charming and a playboy, this version of Dodi Fayed is a little bit more hapless. Um, and really put upon by his yeah. father. Um, there, there were, there was a yacht with Princess Diana and a smaller yacht with his American model girlfriend. Um, and he did go back and forth between the two yachts for some period of time. The woman um, has, the model has since, her name's Kelly, um, has since, well, almost immediately after, did sue. And they mentioned that for breach of contract. So she really argues we were in fact engaged. She hires Gloria Alred, the celebrity attorney. Yeah. Um, and it's not really, there's not even time in the handful of weeks that passed to really ascertain were they engaged or were they not engaged or did he just give her a ring and say some nice promises, but she gets dumped for princess Diana. That is true. Now, how do you have that? not look completely slimy and awful. Well, they chose a storytelling path in which Dodie is kind of forced to be there. It happens pretty mm-hmm. organically. Princess Diana doesn't move in on him knowing that he's with someone else or anything like that. He has a more sort of like uncle sort of, you know, vibe of just hanging out. And then eventually when the children go to Scotland to be with their father for the rest of the summer holiday, then they kind of hang out more and maybe something blossoms. But it does not, it it feels like two people genuinely bonding in this version of the story over the fact that they have very oppressive families. And specifically, she talks a lot of shit, Diana, the character, about her own father being impossible to get any attention from. Yeah, That was an interesting choice. Yeah, it was which a we, big choice. We, which we didn't really get a sense of in previous seasons on the show. We really did not. Yeah. Um, how... So that, that, I, that is true. I don't know. While that is true, I don't know that that was the foundation of her relationship with Dodi Fayed. Right. So how accurate do you think that Dodi Fayed, like what happened on the boat? Like how accurate do you think that was? Be, because what you have described is um, a way to tell the story such that neither of them is particularly culpable for anything bad that might right. have happened. And so I have right? no idea what happened on the boat. I wasn't on the boat. Mm-hmm. You weren't on the boat. None of us were on the boat. 
The person who therefore is made to look like the bad guy is Muhammad al-Fayed, the father, who's trying so hard to push these people together and sort of treats Princess Diana like a trophy as well as a a chip, you know, to bargain his way into getting British citizenship, probably like peerage and stuff like that. Um, I... I think the person who gets thrown under the bus the most is Muhammad Al-Fayed. Yeah. Who is no longer with us. He just passed away a couple months ago. I I would say, how do I say this? The depiction of him is probably even a little amped up from the depictions of him in decades of Mm -hmm. uh, British press and biographies as as kind of shady and kind of a manipulator. I think it's probably not incredibly far off character development wise i don't know that he set about to do these specific things and he has said i didn't arrange for these two people to be together like Mm. that is not that's that's above my powers is to make people fall in love with each other right so but you can also imagine why they wouldn't have wanted to tell the quote-unquote more accurate story, right? Which I is don't like, even know if it's more accurate, just a yeah. different speculation, which right. is like Dodie's a sleazeball. Yeah. And also, like, parties pretty hard and is maybe not very responsible, and that that is who Diana has chosen to associate herself with. They've given them both a very dignified version of That's right. Events. That's right. And, and um, you know, even with the dignified version, Princess Diana is still dating this guy and hanging out with him knowing that he's engaged to someone else uh, well d- we, d- d- is that true a he may not be engaged b she may not know like all of that is like no question like mark. They, they have a conversation about it in in the in the in the show right but oh you're saying in real life they might not have but i'm saying even in the show she knows he's engaged to someone but they don't do anything until he says the engagement like they, sure, they sure really but, I, but, them- but my point i guess my point is even in the show, which is extremely dignified depiction, it still doesn't completely let Diana off the hook because, you know, Diana is somebody who has been cheated on, basically, right? right? right. And so, like, she has facilitated someone else being cheated on in the show to some degree. I, I, I would argue. Yes, and I think the version of Diana in the show is like, it's a summer fling. Like, I'm hanging right. out with somebody. Yeah. It is so not a big deal. Like, right. this is not headed towards marriage at all this mm-hmm. was like a way to pass the time yeah yeah but uh so i guess i'm just trying to say like you know there, there's still some shadiness going on but well and what i just said is not yeah. like the most dignified version right of, you know adult behavior uh, uh correct, correct now, so. now i i just want to point out another big 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 historical question mark in uh, this film, the the show on episode two shifts focus to this perspective of the photographers, yes. specifically the photographer who I recognize as Jock and Hagar from Game of Thrones, <laughs> yeah. the guy from Bravos who teaches Arya Stark how to be a person with no face. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets this shot of them kissing yeah. that makes him so profoundly wealthy, even by the standards of paparazzi photographers. I, it is reported he made $5 million from the rights of this outrageous set of photos. Outrageous, yeah. Are you jealous? <laughs> yes, extremely. I mean... <laughs> That's a whole yeah. lot of Texas Hold'em stakes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I would like to not uh, have my work like re- like resulting in the exploit- exploitation of people, but like that's a lot of cheddar for one photo. 
what was already this incredibly competitive arms race to get celebrity photos. So just picture, you know, the, the peak period of like us weekly and, um, you know, um, that tabloidization of supposedly, you know, um, respectable magazines like people, um, that he makes so much money from it that people start to realize, Oh, there is a true fortune to be made. If I can just get the most invasive shot. Right. Yeah. And I really appreciate that they take the moments to showcase that in parallel with, I think, a very effective um, contrast of what the <laughs> royal family is thinking a photographer should look like and be like at the same time. I loved all of those. That was awesome. And, and you know, Stories. sometimes the show will do this thing where it like snaps into a completely different format. Uh, now it's a documentary, you know, or now we're interviewing someone for some, like, I don't even think we find out like what the interview was about. Um, because like that photographer is being interviewed for something. Yeah. We, we don't even know what it's yeah. for. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it, there is an amazing contrast drawn between the Jack and Hagar photographer guy who's like super cool and he's in like a leather jacket and, uh, and, and he's, then, he's making, he's a sexy guy making sexy photos yeah. versus the very Ver, unsexy Versus Scottish this guy who's like wearing like a, you know, like a, what is it called? The vest or sweater vest basically. Yeah, and like, yeah. and like he has like an old school camera, you know, like, um, and, uh, he's the one that ends up taking the photo of Charles. And the idea is that the episode draws a contrast between the photo of Princess Diana and Dodi Fayed and then Charles with his family. And like Charles was basically fighting a PR war on his own, which my understanding is that photo is real, right? So Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I think um, the point is, who tipped off Mario Brasna, a.k.a. Uh, yeah. Jack and Hagar, in the show, there is a point of view mm-hmm. that it's Muhammad Fayed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. He directly tips him off. No one was supposed to know where they were, according to the dialogue within the show. Yeah. In Tina Brown's telling of it, Tina Brown has a salacious assertion in her coverage um, that it was Diana herself. Wow. For what purpose? To make Hosnot Khan jealous. Oh, my God. Again, any like untoward intentions or motivations are attributed to Muhammad Al-Fayed in the show, basically. Right. And so that is a very big choice that yeah. they make yeah. to like say that someone did tip them off yeah. as opposed to they were they just found. They found themselves, yeah. And like, you know, you can imagine for yourself how that might have happened. Yeah. And that it's specifically this guy who's trying to capitalize on this relationship. Yeah. And it's an ick feeling. It's an ick feeling to contemplate. That the in show any did that. Direction. That the show did that, or that that Muhammad I don't did like that. that. Yeah, because I think it's a very undignified look for Muhammad Al-Fayed, yeah. Yeah. A, a guy who you know already has taken his lumps for things that are absolutely factual. Right in the show, right in the uh, show, uh, and and will in the future of this show. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. um, interesting. So I just so, wanted to to yeah. raise that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so I love the two photographs episode. I just thought it was like. That's like classic, the crown at classic, its best. Classic the crown. It's yes. like it's like, hey, we're gonna take like two seemingly like you wouldn't have made the connection in your head necessarily things of like this photo of uh, this extremely famous photo of uh, Diana and Muhammad. I'm sorry, Dodi, and then this photo of Charles and the kids, and like we're gonna like make you think about what are the connections between but these also things. Also, you know? show the like 
not average people, but the, the the scale of this show is such that like these two photographers are also part of the story. You know, if you just click out and yeah, out and out, yeah. there are so many people that are involved in this. It reminded me of, you know, there's a phone call between Charles and Camilla that gets wiretapped basically yeah. and we start with like somebody in a van yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who happens to overhear that conversation there's a scene in this uh the season where charles is walking to the morgue to identify dana and he has like i'm guessing 12 people behind him like just walking into the hall, and i'm like what do all those people do you know like every one of them probably has some kind of job uh, and we don't even know about you know but you're right it's like a very big world that the show is like exposing us to so uh, anyway, so, episode so, two was like awesome episode. So. I, I thought one was two, one was good. Two was even better, yeah. and then three. I spent a lot of it like on the verge of tears, you know, and I'm like emotional thinking about it. Now it's called Dimwa. We tell me yes, which is the name of an actual line of jewelry from this very, uh, you know, um, luxury jewelry house. I didn't know, I don't know about, did he see that ring in Monte Carlo? And, you know, I think, I think that might be made up the sort of, um, they're running from after getting gelato in the streets. Yeah. And yeah. really half assing their disguises. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's a good way of showing that they basically have no privacy and they're like on the run all the time from yes. the press. They run and, through a jewelry yeah. store and yeah. she happens to say, Hey, he's like, really, there's nothing this jewelry store you want. She happens to kind of offhandedly and, say she wants this ring. And, and we should say it's, and so you don't, we don't know the veracity of that story. But I don't like, know that. But we should say that the way it's depicted is genuinely terrifying. People seem to be literally crazed right like it's kind of it's like, like a zombie movie it's like a zombie movie it, 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 uh, the closest thing to what we have to that is taylor swift today where i don't know if you saw like taylor you know you actually not i don't know if you saw you told me about it taylor swift went to the, her friend's wedding jack uh, anton's wedding. wedding reception and like literally thousands of people just converged on her location you know like yeah they're blocking the street of right. the restaurant that's just like what are you? But I, I don't think they were quite as scary as like what was in, I agree. in the show, The Crown. But it's like it's it, 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 it is actually terrifying to witness, and I'm sure the show captures it accurately. And I think so. like her spiraling downward mood as she feels more and more trapped by that. Yeah. Like so, it's when she's on the yacht, she's kind of apart from it. So yes, there are people trying to see her with like lenses from a distance, but. The the feeling that she can't go shopping, she can't get an ice cream cone, she can't whatever, um, feels very, very real. And um, maybe she's not up to the level of subterfuge, disguise, security, et cetera, it would take to successfully get that ice cream cone. But at some point, you kind of probably think it doesn't, Yeah, it's not worth anything. So anyway, whether this is true or not, that she then like saw the ring in that particular store, and that's why they went to Paris, I, I think it's actually not 100% clear the the purpose of the Paris trip but then all of the details of you know they land in Paris and yeah. then they have this really bizarro day where they like first they go to the Ritz then they go to, he goes to yeah. the jewelry store then they go to his flat then they go they try to go to a restaurant that doesn't work then they go to the Ritz dining room right. that is all accurate as they far are as you chased know. out yeah. of the Ritz they're not chased out but she feels so uncomfortable yeah. in the Ritz dining room there she is literally photographed crying in the Ritz dining room and so they're like f this we're gonna go back up to the suite in the Ritz that we were in previously in the day and we'll have the dinner sent up all of that actually happened yeah and 
what a haunting and horrible final day of your life. Yeah. In the version that we hear in this, um, or that we see in this show, on top of it, she didn't even want to go to Paris. She just wanted to go home. So it's not yeah. even like an, a necessary stop. But he can sense, A, I may not get another chance with her, and B, my dad's really pushing me. According and to the events of the show. According, right? Within yeah. the narrative yeah. of the show. And C, maybe it's a sign that she kind of wanted this extremely fancy diamond rings that he then does literally go out and procure that specific ring. Yeah. Well, I have. I want to take a step back, actually, and say that I think it was the correct decision to start the season with the accident. Um, the very first scene of season six, episode one, is the accident. And by the way, you are never shown the accident throughout the whole season. You don't see any footage, no photographs. I don't want to see it. Uh, uh, you you hear it. You hear the sound effect of the crash, but you don't see it at all. Um, which I, I also think is the right choice. Like, so um, the reason why that's the right choice is obvious. Like, it's, it would be, you know, sensationalistic and, and really, really a terrible look. If they and sh- really if they showed repeating it. the things that we are accusing these paparazzi of a- doing absolutely, in such absolutely. a horrible way. Um, now, why is it a good idea to start with the accident? I think not doing that makes the accident into a plot point uh where that it makes it into like a um a sort of plot point that you're trying to milk tension out of as opposed to we already all know what like acknowledging we already all know what happened and we're just going to try to tell you a version of the story that gives some dignity to these characters um so i actually salute the decision to like start with the accident and then basically show similar sequence later on um but you're not asking yourself the whole time, like, when are they going to get the accident? They already showed it to us. They already showed us kind of like how it's going to go down. Um, so I thought that was like a good yeah. creative choice. Okay. Um, I will also praise this episode, Di Ma, uh, Di Ma Di Ma Wee, Wee. Uh, episode three. It honestly felt like a Final Destination movie. Like, where you feel like every single... If you haven't seen the Final Destination movies, it's like... You know, it's a very schlocky horror sequence series. But you're saying this in a positive way. No, 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 no. Way. Well, first of all, it's one of my favorite movies of it's all time. It's not mine. Yeah. Um, I love this movie series. Uh, and the idea is that, like, death uh, has it out for you. And uh, everything you do, like, no matter how you're trying to avoid it, you can't escape death. And it felt to me like there's something so excruciating to watch about episode three of like every single decision that these characters make is going to lead them down this terrible path. Like, like if, if at any point, like a decision had been made differently, like they didn't go to Paris, they didn't go to the dinner at this time. They decided to, you know, um, she's like, I want to go back to the apartment because that's where all my stuff is. And her, like Dodie's assistant is like, I would recommend you not do that. And then Dodie's like, please just do what I said. You know, like if he hadn't done that, like, Oh, if Dodie hadn't said, make a diversion, which is a reasonable thing to do, and like, I'll get somebody else to drive the car, and the person they choose is the guy who's been drinking, and is like three in at the bar. Like, at every single step, if like a different decision had been made, we would be living in a completely different world today. Uh, And that is a really impact, you know, like... I think they told the story in a really impactful way because it's, it's like you you see 
how each decision that's made leads to this inevitable, horrifying tragedy uh, in a way that like comes out because of the deliberateness of the storytelling. Like if it, they could have just like fast forwarded through a bunch no, of that I, stuff. I thought I they think. did a really, yeah. really, really good job with it. And then they insert to slow it down three things that break my heart. One is a long phone call between her and her kids. Mm-hmm. Um, do we know that this happened or do you, ha- do you I have no idea that it happened yeah. and I certainly don't know that William was like are you going to marry Dodie and she says definitely not right. that I have no because the true nature of their relationship is still contested to this day like debated I, I should say I think it is most likely that she was not going to marry him and that right. she was not very serious about him but it is contested yes it right. is contested I think yeah. Oh, I don't want to give away quote unquote spoilers for real life, but yeah, yeah. it's going to be contested yeah. in the coming episodes. Yeah. And so I think um, they also have a pause for her to have this really beautiful, practical conversation with this version of Dodie Fayette, right. who I really, you know, only halfway recognize from the depictions of him that where, I've seen elsewhere, but... Where she's basically like, please, you need to escape from the thumb, under the thumb of your father and stop doing everything to please your father. And that's, the, you're trying to please your father and that's why we're in this situation in the first place. That but she says it so beautifully. She's like, marrying me is not going to make your father love you more. And he says, I think, I, it, I think might. it might. <laughs> and he, you know, they're both like, yeah. right, yeah. you know, in yeah. that moment. And it's a beautiful... Um, it, it was beautiful to me and that this is a very adult way to have a breakup. Um, even though someone has just spent, I don't know, $150,000 on a ring for you. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was very adult. I agree. Very like practical. Like, let's just, let's just lay it all on the table and like talk about things like adults. Yeah. And then, you know, he has his pseudo conversation with his dad or partial, co- partial conversation with his father. This is another big choice. Like, why does Muhammad Fayyad believe they were engaged? Mm. Well, based on the conversation that we saw where he hangs up the phone midway through and implies that there's an engagement, he says an arrangement has been made, an agreement has been made. It's very exciting. You know, you can see why maybe a grieving father would take that to mean, who wants to hear what he wants to believe, you know, who believes what he wants to hear. I think it's a very, like... You know, I'm not happy with a lot of like the ways that in which the the crown makes shit up, but it's a very clever way of like from a plot perspective of dealing with the fact that the the details of the situation are not widely agreed upon, right? Like, um, it's, Ma- Ma- it, well, Muhammad- it's, it's a way to give Muhammad Fayyad a little bit of a like out, right? Like. That he, like, he, that he could have reasonably come to that conclusion, as opposed to he just made it up. Right, right. and it, it's a device that allows Dodie to say all the things that are on his mind right. for us, the audience, to hear it. And then finally, they have this very beautiful, quiet moment in the hallway where yeah. they're going to sneak out the back. and um, It's very nice. They're just like, they're compatriots mm-hmm. in this like life that is impossible. Um, and it feels like they're having very true human moments there in that hallway together. Um, they go out the back and in the car, they actually hold hands. And I, I believe that, you know, I believe that she, the version of the story I am seeing in this show, I believe that she cares for him, that he cares for her, 
there's a protectiveness of each other between them, even though she just turned down his engagement proposal and it's actually like, come on, be real. Um, And that, that is a complexity. That's a situation that most of us aren't going to face. But like, I was just very moved that they, they um, took the time to give us these moments of humanity. If they were going to insert anything that I, I, I appreciate that they gave us this. Yeah. Yeah. It was really lovely. Really beautiful. Um, you've read the the true story, and you believe well, it. Like the, the story to which right. the extent to which any the extent of us to which any of us know. And you, you know, uh, other than the stuff we've already discussed, this feels like a, you know what Dodi Fayed really felt about Diana, what the nature of the relationship was, how Muhammad Bafayed might have understood the relationship. Like this feels like a reasonable depiction of. It was a choice, yeah. but it was the choice that. The purpose of the crown is to give us in 2023 or in the 2020s, you know, today, a way to look back on this set of events, right? Yeah. Not just Diana's death, but the entirety of, you know, and it's it's a frame. It doesn't have to be the only frame. Yeah. Um, but it it's giving, it is choosing the merciful, the merciful path of giving us a way to believe that it's possible that all these people had good intentions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and were not crazy caricatures of themselves. Right. Cause they could have easily taken a path where literally none of those scenes that you just discussed happened. Right. Where, uh, Diana was like frantic and, you know, acting out for attention. Exactly, and I mean, yeah. it, that is in there. It is stated yeah. like by her therapist, like, Hey, maybe, yeah, maybe you know. your addiction to drama is blah, blah, blah. So but it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's still the depiction is fundamentally dignified. I, 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 absolutely. But, but I, I think, um, that's a, that's a deliberate choice because they easily could have taken a different path that was like much less dignified. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we're all better for the path that they chose. Um, any other thoughts on the third episode before we get to episode four? Um, no, let's go to four. So after episode four is aftermath. So we've had three incredible episodes, three episodes that remind us why we watch the crown. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, okay. I, I want to say, let's start with this about episode four. There are some amazing moments in episode four. Um, and in particular, the show makes again, a very smart directorial decision to not show people telling other people the news about the Diana's death in general. Like you see it a couple times, but like, no, but they mostly say she was in an accident, but when it comes to the actual passing, they yeah. mostly cut out the audio. It, it is incredible. Like there's a moment when D- Diana is still alive and they're at the hospital and the doctor comes out and he has the news that Diana has passed. And, the audio goes out. Like you don't hear him telling anyone like what happens and you just see everyone's reaction to it. And it is like one of the most gut wrenching, powerful moments I've seen in anything this year. And, and um, the way the, the show uses sound to, to do that, it does a similar thing later on when Prince Charles tells their children about it. And I, again, I no, honestly, yeah. I felt so uncomfortable with this, you know, like, of course, the audience watching this story, quote unquote, needs to know, right? Because we've spent a lot of time with the boys in the first three episodes. Needs to know what? 
what it's like. Yeah. Like how what what is their reaction to any of this? Yeah. But they are they have spoken about this period of time as so incredibly traumatic yeah. that I feel very uh, even with the sound cut out I feel very ugly about it. Yeah, well and there it's a major subplot, right? Uh uh William, right? Is it the older one, right? Yeah. He, like the him van like his reaction to it is a major subplot in the in the episode. Right. So. And I, I, I could have used to the extent possible less of it, even though it's a fictionalized depiction. Yeah. Um and you know, Charles is also given a pretty gracious edit. <laughs> extremely. Extremely. <laughs> um, but he says these things that, you know, I think will feel universally resonant, which is like I'm letting the boys sleep because as long as they're asleep, they still have a mother. Yeah. And anybody who's had to break the news of a loss to somebody will understand that. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, uh, acknowledge that as the show deals more with people that everyone knows and who are still alive, it gets thornier when you're just making shit up, which the show does all the time. Well, for me, the challenge yeah. to their children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but putting that aside, like th- there are some really amazing moments. Like you, you, you know, and then Charles says something along the lines of, you know, this is going to be bigger than any of us, like the largest thing any of us has ever seen. You know, he said it in a way that I was, I was like, Wow, that's like very poetic and true. Yes. Like it is going to dominate your entire life. A singular event. Um and so that you weren't even directly yeah, part of. Yeah. And so so there's many great things about the episode. But <laughs> the episode chooses to introduce us to Ghost Diana and Ghost Dodie. And that is a creative misstep that I would say it is not catastrophic. But it is a very terrible misstep. It is, I think you and I both agree, completely unnecessary. And it feels like the show does not trust its own instincts. It, 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 it does not trust what it has created. Because the reason you bring those characters back in ghost form is because you as the showrunner... I, I need to hear the end of the sentence because there is no reason. The, you as a showrunner and the writer are like, oh, it's too... Unre- like, we can't have those characters just die off without any catharsis with the people who are most important to them. And so we need to have Charles confront ghost Diana. We need to have... Uh, Okay, so I actually think when people pass away, lots of folks do continue to have dialogues with them or continue to ask them for advice or imagine that they're there. So I I actually don't think that is as awful a concept. And coincidentally, it it happened to both Prince Charles and... I think it's really common with grief. All right. But, but, but it, it, in Russian ice dance choreography, I, you know, know a lot about Olympic level figure skating. Mm-hmm. Whenever they would do something really, really that they thought was very novel choreographically, <laughs> they had a rule of three. Yeah. Do it three times. The first time people are just so startled. The second time they can admire it. And the third time they can relax and enjoy it. I, I, the first time that there's a ghost <laughs> Diana, I was like, woof, okay, fine. You know, do I believe Charles is haunted by Diana's ghost? Literally and figuratively, sure. And I wish that they had maybe had her be a little fuzzier or something that didn't make it feel quite so literal. But the content of their discussion did not strike me as unreasonable. 
Then we get Ghost Dodie, and then Ghost Dodie really doesn't say anything that would not have already been literally in the first three episodes made text, right? Like, we, we it, this really adds no value. But what I appreciate it is, hey, Diana's not the only person that died in the crash. Mm, yeah, and there yeah. is a huge tendency to overlook Dodie. So they yeah. use that opportunity to to literally say why do they not care because i'm an Arab? you know they don't care about my son dying because he's arab you know like and and so they really okay i'm like all right okay but it's when ghost diana shows up to the queen yeah i mean i just i was like i think both of them would be unhappy with this you know like it's you mean both real life yes queen elizabeth the second and princess yeah would be unhappy with this depiction like uh, okay I want to acknowledge what you said, which is like, you're right. People do speak with visions, you know, versions of the people who have departed us. I think, you know, Charles and Diana just doing that would have been like, okay, if it was that was it, if it's just that one scene, I'd be like, okay, that mildly bothers me, but whatever. But then, like, when Dodie shows up, it's like, oh, okay, like now, <laughs> now we're really taking it over the top. Um, you could be in for six more episodes of Ghosts of These People. Maybe we'll see the ghost of Trevor Reese Jones, because by the way, a third person died in the crash that is extremely not acknowledged, who's the bodyguard we see like all day long, Trevor. Mm, yeah. um, wait, no, 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 no. Trevor Reese Jones survives the crash. Henri, the driver, the driver yeah. dies. Yeah, you might sorry, see a ghost sorry. of the driver. Yes. But, um, but yeah, when she shows up for the queen and literally just articulates the themes of the show out loud. That is when the show lost me. Right? I, I am really struck that the first four seasons of this show are about the queen. And the final two seasons seem to have, like, no, just cannot get any interiority out of this version of the queen. Yeah. It is a disastrous depiction of the queen, I think. Like, she has no agency. You have yeah. no idea what she's thinking. I get that she's closed down and that she, you know, believes in duty above all else. But I just don't... I almost don't buy that she could be this detached um, as what we're seeing. And so it's like they end up needing Diana because the queen is undercharacterized. Yeah. And yeah. is no longer the main, not even no longer the main character of the show. Feels like no longer a real character in the show. Well, you did say, so one of the big decisions uh, around, and, and let me just say, if you're ever in a situation where you have a ghost of a character show up and then just start saying what the theme of the show is, You've something has failed in the in the creative process. Like, do not have characters just say the themes of things. Like, that is just very bad. And that's exactly what she does. You know, she's like, you know, I you reminded us how, what it meant to be British, and now Britain is reminding you. It's like, oh my gosh, it's terrible. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's bad. Don't do that. Uh, but the other thing, um is the final part of the fourth episode is about the queen's decision to address the nation, right? And theoretically, she's not supposed to talk about it because Princess Diana's not in the family. And I did like, that was like a a nice, appropriate dig at Charles when, you know, Elizabeth and her husband are like, we, we wanted her to stay in the family. Like, everyone wanted her to stay in the family. Like, you're the one that didn't want her in the family, Charles. You know, like... Uh, which is like, by the way, like a brutal thing to bring up at that point in time because it's like that day. But I wanted right? more of that. Yeah. You know, I wanted them to really have it out more 
Yeah. Because so far, what we've seen of Charles is like a real love for Diana, a real self-awareness of what she brought and like in their, this their, season in this season of the show it, and yeah. and the whole family's position relative to that sort of megawatt um yeah. chemistry she had or, or charisma um and i am floored up until that exchange that you just mentioned that they've let him off the hook so easily the writers of the right. show yeah and so i wanted more like what does elizabeth think because I know Elizabeth thinks this is a huge pain in the ass and yet another thing she has to deal with regarding Diana. But like the idea that she blames Charles, that that would be great. You know, or I, I don't know. I, I think that in some ways they don't want to go where they don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. And so they have been very light about touching, like what did the queen really think? Because mm-hmm. it's unclear, you're saying, in real life, like what she yes. really felt. Well, and- anyway, uh, so... I think we can say the show's attitude about Charles has been pretty mixed. Uh, season four was a, like, I would say brutal character assassination of Charles. Like, it makes him look like a complete piece of shit in season four. Um, the way he treats Diana. It's just, it's horrible. Uh, and then season five, it's like, hey, Charles is not that bad. Like, he knows how to, he knows what the youths are into. He's an organic garden at yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, and then, you know, this season continues that trend, but like also like is a little bit more mixed. But it's, it's, it's a largely very dignified depiction of Charles overall, I think. Yeah, um, that's because this season is going to be about the Camilla Parker Bowles Apology Tour Part 2. Mm-hmm. That's why we start with her campaign to be married to him and ha- that that gets disrupted obviously yeah. by this and yeah. it, but the, the through line is going to be charles and camilla and, yeah and, and i it, cannot make the barfing motion enough <laughs> like you can't see me but i am not a charles and camilla shipper it will end with charles and camilla getting married probably or like towards the I, end. I have to believe that's where we end it and then it's like and you know connect that to the glorious future that we already exist in today baby all right anyway you had mentioned something intriguing which is that apparently the queen needed to be worn down by her staff well, to address I, the nation no what i no one knows no one knows. It's no all one rumor. knows it's all why there's this five or six day silence after Diana dies and the queen doesn't say anything. So it's it's unclear whether she came to it on her own after prayer or she just thought it was the right thing to do or she read mm-hmm. the room or she whatever got badgered into it. Um, but there is a noticeable and very unpopular silence. Uh, emanating from Buckingham Palace, which is literally not habitat. I mean, they're just still on vacation in Scotland. Because, mm-hmm. you know, every summer they go to Scotland. Yeah. They just don't come back from the vacation at first. <laughs> it's a horrible look. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, they assign a sort of very, very, very conservative version of of the of view of things to Philip, and they assign a relatively progressive version of, of views to Charles. Yeah. In this, and I don't know if that's a and, they, and then in the middle is Queen Elizabeth, who needs to be convinced by Ghost Diana to do the right thing. Basically, <sighs> I will say that <laughs> Queen Elizabeth's decision to not address the nation um, is in character with uh, you know everything that we know about that character from the show, and like it makes sense. That, I just you know, would have liked to have seen her truly wrestle with it as a character on her own. She didn't need Ghost Diana. I could have seen it on her face. If yeah. it were Olivia Coleman, she could absolutely pull off a performance where I just watch her face and 
re- yeah. you know, like I, 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 I agree that they didn't trust the actors enough and the script yeah. enough. Yeah. Brutal, brutal. Um, so episode four, uh, not a complete waste. Uh, there were some really incredible highs, uh, and also just some just oh, no, terrible it wasn't lows. A terrible, I think it was fine. I still think it yeah. is a good entry, but there's just this one very odd thing. And so it's like, what are we going to have like more ghost Diana and ghost Dodie in the rest of the season? I hope I, not. I can't, <laughs> <laughs> I can't have that. Is ghost Diana going to show up and talk to William when he starts dating Kate Middleton? Like, I just can't have this. I concur. I concur. Any other thoughts on the first four episodes? I'm I'm currently spoken for because I'm married to you. But if anyone ever really wants the way into my heart, just uh, clock the Cartier watch that I'm wearing. Also, I don't have a Cartier watch. And then stealth go out and get me the same version, but crusted in diamonds. Mm-hmm. Which then, is what Dodie does. On yes. Road, and yeah. then uh, fill my house with roses and then have a very subtle card that's like uh, New York next week. You know, like I, uh, I don't know who could say no to that as mm. a date, as a first date. All right. Well, way to throw it on the gauntlet right at the end of the episode. Um, I'm trying to think if I had any additional thoughts. The, the, again, a very strong batch of episodes and... Um, I think it's helped by the fact that it's telling one story. It's not trying to figure yeah, out like what... I'm, I'm concerned about yeah. the final six because I'm concerned it may have a somewhat miscellaneous feel. Mm, yeah. Just because, you know, yeah. events happen and they have to highlight at least some of them. Um, but I think to the extent that they can keep in frame this question of like, how does the monarchy attempt to reckon with like the fact that it it was attainable to get all the love and adulation they wanted, but not in a way they could control. Mm-hmm. Like maybe there's some. Well, it's a good melancholy thing, story we can finish out there. It's a good thing they never did anything like that oh. ever again with another universally beloved woman that married into the family. Um, we, um, <laughs> so we watched the Meghan and Harry documentary mm-hmm. and you know, you can say what you want about that as a piece of documentary filmmaking in terms of like the access feeling very, you know, um, pro Meghan and Harry controlled, but there are, there are times they're in cars. It's extremely similar to what we see trying here. to escape photographers and the cameras in the car. This is like after they've even Mexited, yeah. you know, like, and so it's just really upsetting to think about how little has changed. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Podcast.decodingtv.com is where you can find more episodes. Decodingtv at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of this episode of uh, Decoding TV as well as this batch of episodes of The Crown. We'll be back in a month or so. Yeah. With the final batch of episodes of The Crown. In the meantime, de moi your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 